Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Reit Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I have flip flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter, over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. Welcome to Represent. My name is Mimi and we are Sin Media's flagship political discussion program. Today we have Bridie, George and Mimi again and we'll be exploring current affairs and politics of the week, especially those that are interesting to young people. This week we're going to be talking about mandatory consent education. We're going to be talking about Boris Johnson. Does he declare a COVID victory? Tune in to find out. Stay tuned. And Russia's invasion into Ukraine. You're listening to Represent here on Sin with Bridie, George and Mimi. Coming up now, Mimi's going to be discussing all the ins and outs with the new mandatory consent within the education in Victoria. Mimi. So just before I start, I just want to preface that this part of the segment mentions sexual assault and violence. Listeners who may find this content distressing can tune back into the show in around eight minutes, where we'll have some fantastic songs lined up and more discussion on this week's politics. If you need further support today, you can contact any one of these sexual assault support services, 1800RESPECT National Hotline at 1800-737-732, Lifeline at 131114, and Beyond Blue at 1300-224-636. So yeah, this time last week, consent education in schools was made mandatory, which I think is a huge win and a step forward compared to where we were last year. Do you guys remember the consent milkshake video? Um, I think you mean the cinematic masterpiece of 2021. (laughs) Does anyone remember how horrible that was? It was so bad. It was so bad. Do you remember? I have no idea what we're even talking about. (laughs) Educate me. Oh, my God. I guess I wasn't educated on consent like you guys were. Okay, well, go look at it when we're done, but I'll kind of give it a run through for you, George, just because it's so bad. So it's about these, like, there's these two, I think, I guess they're teenagers, in this ice cream shop, like a milkshake bar kind of thing, and they're basically, the girl's like, oh, do you, like, want to taste my milkshake? And the guy's like, I can't remember what, the, actually, what, if he says no or yes. No, I think that's right. I think it's right. And he says no, and then she just, like, smears it on his That's face. so extreme. 
it's very extreme. It's a stupid metaphor. And it is. It was just atrocious. Anyway, I feel like other problems with that as well is like, why was the woman the aggressor? Like, to me, that just also kind of just trivializes and minimizes the whole point of the video, which is trying to like teach consent and minimize sexual violence, which I just don't anyway understand. But looking forward it's great news so education ministers around australia have unanimously agreed to mandate consent education schools from 2023 and this will include stuff like sexual coercion gendered stereotypes and the power imbalances that can often be at play during during sex really during relationships in high school and in young adults and like while this might not seem outrightly political in terms of what we mostly or usually talk about on our show I think it's really important because I think it speaks to like where we are as a society and how we're viewing sexual violence and how the government is viewing sexual violence and what they're doing to make prevent it so obviously like when we learn about consent it not only like will reduce the prevalence of sexual assault but it'll also make it easier to charge perpetrators because if we teach consent there's no excuse anymore there's no gray line and people won't have an excuse of like, oh, I didn't know that she said no, or I didn't know that she wasn't enjoying it or he wasn't enjoying it. And it outlines that what's expected of everybody and it enables us to participate in healthy and safe sexual life. I wanted to ask you guys, what were your experiences as like consent being taught in schools? George, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on it. Um, just purely based on like my gripes with how consent was kind of taught in school and how more or less the fact like this is not this probably a generalization of all schools in Australia but personally um it always felt like yes it was taught but it was kind of always read off a script it was like there was no real engaging aspect of it in the sense where you didn't really understand the magnitude of consent it was like oh this week we'll read this little piece of paper about how consent works and whatnot but it didn't really engage with anyone the only time it really was I think educated the most about like consent was through experiences that I've heard of from like people I know in the sense where when you actually know someone who's been affected by these things is when you actually take a step back and realize the, you know, enormity of consent and the problems with, um, yeah, sexual activities and all the dangers that go along with it. So I find, I found that from when I was in school, it was definitely not necessarily the most impactful way to teach consent um hopefully this may change it a little bit but i'm not quite sure brighty yeah definitely yeah definitely just felt like it was totally glossed over um and it was kind of the most the part that the teachers also clearly felt awkward about talking you know about teaching um it was very much always like a little handout like a one a double-sided sheet of paper maybe that was just like oh you guys should ask before you do anything which is like okay but how is that actually applicable to real life yeah Mimi yeah I think it's really sad George to hear that like the way that it's I guess like been brought to your attention the most is through like personal experiences of others which is how this whole thing actually came about because this whole um petition was launched by Chanel Contos who posted on her Instagram story asking people if they had been sexually assaulted by someone they knew at school. And almost 7,000 people shared their stories and 44,000 people signed her petition to have consent education made mandatory. So I think it, like, obviously is very clear that this is a massive issue. And I think hopefully, like, 
this education will fix that. I got showed when I was in school the tea video. Okay, I've heard so much about the tea video, but I actually haven't, I was never showed If it, anything, so. that was the most effective thing that I actually learned in school. Like, I can vividly remember that even like six years on or whatever, when I first saw that, that was genuinely <laughs> the most engaging video. I was like, it was humorous, but it like added to like, it made it more relatable, I guess, when you kind of put it into that perspective. Um, maybe do you want to explain kind of what it was to those who don't, who aren't aware of it? Um, the tea with the tea video is that it's basically, it's really funny because it's like the English, like kind of, you know, do you want a cup of tea? And like, um, basically <laughs> it's this whole like three minute long video of this guy trying to like be like, no, but like my tea is really good. And like, I like adding sugar in my tea. You should have tea. And it's just kind of like this whole thing of being like, no, I don't want tea. Like, no thanks. And then at the end, it's like, obviously if you don't want tea, like you shouldn't pour it down someone's throat and you shouldn't have tea. Anyway. It's very good. I really do think it's actually quite good. George has something else to say. Yeah, I just wanted to add is that a lot of the time, like when Bradley and I were saying, like, you know, the the double-sided sheet that the teachers were reading off, it didn't go into detail of kind of, I don't know if you call it like the gray areas of consent, um, especially like with the influence of like alcohol and everything. Um as you, as I think Pride was saying, it's like, oh, this is consent. Say no when you know when you want to, but it doesn't go into the fact of like all the added variables that are included with consent. Um, whereas the tea video, it talked about you know when someone's drunk, obviously they can't give consent. Um, that's not elaborated on from just like the teacher at the front of the class saying, say no if you don't want to have sex. Like, <laughs> it's just it, it went into detail into a way that I didn't really I, that opened my eyes to things that I didn't really realize before. Yeah, I also think um, the tea video and, like, just in regards to, like, consent being taught in the future, like, it kind of follows this yes means yes, um, like, structure rather than, like, no means no. Like, instead of, like, worrying or, like, wondering if, like, no means no, instead, like, look for cues that yes means yes. Like, are people enjoying themselves? Like, what are their body language like? What situation are you in? Like, instead of looking for, like, the no means no, like, it's so much easier as well, I think, to comprehend, like, the yes means yes. Like, just looking out for, like, the positive body language and the positive context and environment. I guess, like, my final thing I wanted to ask you guys was... Like, how do we feel like this sits kind of in the political context of, like, right now? Like, we've recently had, like, the, pref- pre- the press conference of Grace and Brittany and Scott Morrison's apology. And it feels like there's a lot of young female activists, like, doing a lot of work in these areas. But how do we really feel? Like, what do we think the politicians are doing? How do we feel about how they respond? Anyone? George or Bradley? Yeah, look, I think um, the politicians, like the apology to Brittany Higgins, I mean, it wasn't specifically to Brittany Higgins, but like it's literally the bare minimum. Like there is so much more that they could be doing. Like they haven't implemented any, um, I think any reforms from the Jenkins report that was about like sexual assault in parliament and harassment and bullying and things. Like I just get the sense that like all these young women are putting in all this effort and like doing so much while the like our political leaders are literally doing like the bare Yeah, and that them. kind of went on with how the Grace team, um, the pot shot of her with the bong, like no pun intended when I said pot shot, but um uh like how it kind of reflected how like 
you're being targeted for, you know, advocating for, you know, you know, sexual assault and all these things. It's like, it just goes to show the mentality of the situation we are within politics right now. It's like, it's not even swept under the rug. It's actually almost opposed in a sense, which I find is just like shocking to me in this current, you know, contemporary landscape. Yeah. And just with the bong thing, like, I really don't think that um, if she was like, famous for being really good at a sport you know if she was a footy player or if she was I don't know I just think because she has such a prominent position in such a kind of controversial it's not really controversial for most of the population but in such an an area that is very like politically uncomfortable for the government like I don't think she would have been targeted as much for the bong photo sorry yeah she she was like targeted as if she was a a politician not necessarily just an advocate like a politician yes you have to hold yourself to a certain standard advocates not so much i think like when you're in that role of of a politician you're not just representing yourself but you're you know you're representing your area that um whereas she's just you know she's just advocating she's never wanted to be in politics and she shouldn't be put into that position i think Mimi, did you have something to add to that I think what's kind of like scary and like just kind of uncomfortable and strange is why are we like trying to tarnish the reputation of such an amazing advocate? Like what is the government afraid of? But um, if you want to hear more about what we've been talking about or you just want to get a bit more of an education or anything like that, Teachers Consent um, is the Instagram where I've gotten a lot of my information off. It's honestly not me spurting out these facts. Um, against Chanel Contos' Instagram about um, consent and about, and she's the one who's put the petition forward to make it mandatory, so it's definitely the right Instagram to look at, so that's Teachers Consent. You're listening to Represent here on Sin. Um, up next, we have George, and he's going to be talking about um, the COVID situation in the UK and the fact that Boris Johnson might have potentially declared COVID victory. What do you think, George? Well, if only it was that easy in life where we could just say, if we ever want a promotion in something, we just say, oh, I've got a promotion. Or if you want to get over a sickness, just say, I've, I've, got, I've gotten rid of the sickness. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, I think, what's happening right now um, in Britain because... Um, about five percent of their population still have COVID, but um, big old Boris, he um, he wants to live with COVID, not just actually not just live with COVID, but he just wants to go back to t- two thousand twenty um, to the extent we can have as many parties at his house, even in lockdown as he wants. Um, but yeah, basically on Monday, the government announced that it's living with COVID, um, which basically means there'll be a phasing out of free rapid tests, um, reduce access to more PCR tests, and, and ends the legal requirement to self-isolate um, when you have COVID. Uh, on top of that, you also be receiving no financial support if you do have COVID. Uh, basically, this has got a lot of condemnation from not only Britain, but also the international community, because for the second time, this is that Britain are basically announcing a defeat to COVID when they had their last Freedom Day um, in July last year. Uh Basically, this could be disastrous um, on many fronts, uh, not only from the perspective of how many people are infected in Britain, but also because of the fact that there could be another mutation um, brought out of the easing of restrictions as there was last time that, if you remember, Britain had their Freedom Day pretty shortly after there was a new variant coming around the world that originated from Britain. Um, So yeah, basically, there's a lot of 
scrutinization towards Boris because, as you may be aware, he's under a lot of trouble. Um, he's been a naughty boy by getting, well, leaked evidence of well not leaked evidence but just evidence of the fact that Boris was hosting a few a few gaps at his house in Westminster on Westminster um and about there's been police investigations um and Boris's popularity has probably never been lower than it is right now so there's been some suggestions that perhaps he's just released this new end of COVID um as a way to save political face at this time um now obviously this isn't a great situation for some people in britain considering how many people are dying from covid and how many people have covid right now um i'd basically just ask you mimi um if boris's political career wasn't basically on the line right now do you think that these um this new easing of restrictions i'll say would be out there in the open or do you think it would be held back a little bit as in like the publicity around it yeah I think, yeah, I definitely obviously think, like, like it's definitely been made very public. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a publicity stunt, but I definitely think he's, he's milking it as much as he can. And what I think, though, is that I do kind of think it might have happened anyway. I mean, in Australia, we are starting to ease a lot of restrictions. We're losing masks. Um, so I think it is going to that trajectory I wouldn't say that like he's only done it for like his own reputation and stuff like that I think like everywhere in the world is going to be going in that direction but I definitely think he is relishing in being the first to do it let's say that yeah and I don't think like yes I think he's using it for publicity and to gain whatever political points he can um but at the same time um Britain is the very last place I'd ever go to to get your COVID I don't know opinion from because of how well they've not dealt with COVID and the amount of deaths and economic impacts they've had so I think the last people I'd ever speak to about how to deal with COVID restrictions would probably be um someone from Britain um but yeah the they were going to basically, their plan was always to remove all restrictions at some stage. Um, but this has come a bit earlier, I think about a month earlier than what they were initially aiming for. But yeah, I guess as we were saying before, do you see other countries like Australia coming to a similar situation? Or do you think this is purely just a important thing for right now? Look, I think it's definitely not super far off that Australia will become close to that. I mean, We've seen a lot of mask restrictions easing everywhere pretty much. So I think that I don't think the self-isolation requirements is going to go anytime soon. And I would really, really hope that free PCR tests continue for basically as long as possible. Obviously, I understand that it can't go forever because it's like expensive, but it's such an essential thing. And yeah, it's just so integral to like, keeping the community safe yeah what do you have to say George yeah well it's like not only is it to keep the community safe but it's also you could argue that it's somewhat gonna you know disadvantage those who are already disadvantaged the most um because you know it's they'll probably be pretty expensive to pay for these tests um the poorer of society will will probably face the brunt of that the most more than more than anyone else will in general and to on top of that um just like it's just the basic 101 of how to manage a virus, like having contact tracing or having, you know, 
staying home when you're sick is just the bare minimum that you can go for. It just, as much as, you know, you want COVID to be over, it's like, you got to live in reality a bit i know that he was probably facing a lot of a lot of maybe scrutiny but a, a lot of pressure from like media and like the general public were over COVID, understandably but it doesn't you know that doesn't represent science and the reality of the times but anyway um that was us reflecting on the current situation in britain and the easing of all restrictions um coming up next Bridie will be discussing a pretty difficult topic um of russia and ukraine and the revelations that we've just found out today the day of recording on thursday you're listening to represent here on sin with mimi george and bridie so i'm about to talk about russia ukraine so it's highly likely that between now thursday afternoon and when this is aired on friday afternoon there'll be so many changes so obviously um you know, not all of this is going to be quite up to date. But just today, in the last couple of hours, Putin has launched an invasion of Ukraine only days after saying that he was still open to diplomacy. Explosions and air raid sirens have been heard throughout the country in Kiev, Lviv, and so many other cities. So he announced that Russia will carry out a special military operation, according to Reuters. And in an address to the Russian people that coincided with the UN Security Council meeting, he also said that clashes between Ukrainian and Russian forces are inevitable and only a question of time. Um, Further, NATO expansion and its use of Ukraine's territory are unacceptable. So I'll go into that a little more in a minute. Um, The Russian military operation aims to protect people and that the circumstances demand decisive action from Russia. So with regards to NATO, I might have talked about this a little last week, but effectively Russia really does not want NATO on its western 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 border. Um because NATO was established to counter the USSR, you know, years and years ago. So the idea that Ukraine would join NATO was is one of the catalysts for Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014. And it's also definitely a motivating factor this year. So Ukraine has called up its army reserve just the other day, and it's now imposed a national state of emergency for the next 30 days, as well as martial law this afternoon, despite urging the population to remain calm. So Vox reported that on Tuesday, Biden announced what he called the first tranche of sanctions, which will include full sanctions onto Russian financial institutions and penalties designed to cut Russia off from foreign financing, as well as some sanctions on the company owning the embattled Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. So with regards to Biden, he has um, released a statement that says that he condemned, and this is quoting, he condemned this unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces. And I briefed him, him being um, the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, on the steps that we are taking to rally international condemnation, including tonight at the United Nations Security Council. He asked me to call on the leaders of the world to speak out clearly against President Putin's flagrant aggression and to stand with the people of Ukraine. So tomorrow he'll meet with the G7 and US allies to impose severe sanctions. So it's sounding like even more sanctions are going to come. Um, European and UK sanctions include um, asset freezes and travel bans and Germany's paused its certification for the $11 billion Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is something that the US really wanted. China has disagreed with sanctions, saying it doesn't believe that's how to solve the crisis, which is probably not unexpected given the stakes that it holds on the idea of um, taking over Taiwan. So it'll be 
China will be watching very closely how this plays out. Um, to be frank, um, the sanctions that have been that were imposed yesterday have clearly had little to no impact on their decision on Putin's decision. I mean, so having access to Ukraine would allow Russia access to a year-round port, which is something really important for them with regards to their trade, because a lot of their ports are frozen for at least nine months of the year. It would prevent NATO membership on its western border, and something that Putin also did in 2014 was using war as sort of a diversionary tactic when there were um, a drop in oil prices in 2013, which caused Putin's approving approval rating to basically plummet. But by rallying the population around him in order to invade Ukraine again, um, that allowed him to reach a ninety, uh, sorry, eighty nine percent approval rating in twenty fourteen. But I read just today in the Guardian that a political analyst from Moscow thinks that the electorate is much more split than in twenty fourteen. So I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, do you have any idea what's going to happen? Like, could you, you know, give any guesses? <laughs> Um, I mean, if I had any guesses, I'd, or if I had any predictions, I'd be on the UN General Assembly right now, but I'm not exactly of that power I'd represent here in Sin. Um, nevertheless, <laughs> um, it's, I don't know what will happen specifically, but I know what the reaction, like, I know what reactions will occur to meet certain results. Um, basically, if the international community want to kind of condemn this. They've, they've got to go in early. Like they, they probably had to go in before the invasion actually happened because we know that like tariffs don't mean a lot when you're comparing it to military actions. Like what does economic sanctions really mean to Russia when they're that driven to when Putin has this state of mind of you know bringing ukraine back to russia like it doesn't really make a lot of difference i think bridey yeah so i totally agree i think that the idea of trying to sanction like them in these sort of ways of just sanctioning banks or like people is not going to do anything i think the main thing that they're going to need to do as western countries is sanction the oil and the russia's key exports and what its economy depends on if they want to take the economic sort of route um yeah george yeah even then like like even getting those economic sanctions of the oil or gases or whatever it may be it's like europe and the eu should never have put themselves in the position where they were this dependent on russia for these natural resources i know for a fact that america they were very against the eu um you know depending on all these you know, oils and all these oligarchs and everything like they put the, not to say they put themselves in this situation like obviously they're not the aggressors here but they could have done more previously to prevent these you know f- to make these sanctions actually mean something Brady. yeah totally agreed but also there's definitely an economic motive for america there too um to say you know because if the EU is not getting their oil from Russia, then I think they would probably be turning to either the Gulf states or um, or to America. Mm. And I'll just read a tweet from Luke Harding, who's a journalist at The Guardian, who's in Kiev, saying that our basement in Kiev is now filling up with families with small children. The kids are holding colouring books. Heartbreaking. And, like, that just kind of illustrates that there really is a personal and, like, small-scale impact Um upon the population of Ukraine and of Russia as well, I would assume.
You're listening to Represent Here on Sin with Mimi, Bridie, and George. To wrap it up this week, um, on what was a very eventful week, um, we're going to go into our, I don't know, do we call it a weekly conspiracy segment, I guess? Um, with That sounds like a great yeah, name. We'll, we'll roll with it. Um, we're not, you know, we're not conspiracies like QAnon or anti-vaxxers on here. It's just we like our, our quirky little conspiracy goes pretty well with the viewers, um, all the listeners. So, um, Bridie, what's, what's your latest saga or conspiracy that you have in mind well my conspiracy it's not super exciting and i think it's something that a lot of people would have come to the conclusion of but i reckon that clive palmer has got covid and i reckon he's not going to change his tune with regards to his election campaign one little bit but you know we saw that he's been taken to hospital just this afternoon and on the gold coast and i reckon he has covid uh, poor old clive I'm just laughing because it's like, wow, when you see cold and flu symptoms. It's, I know. <laughs> it could be anything, Braddy. You shouldn't jump to conclusions. That's true, but that's what a conspiracy is. <laughs> Drew, you got me there. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know the, I guess, in any point, this is the consequences of your own actions. Well, it's not, he didn't invent COVID, <laughs> but like, you know, he didn't, he didn't help himself. Like... <laughs> You know, maybe do you, do you, maybe maybe he did. <laughs> maybe that's the conspiracy. Maybe he did invent COVID, which is oh, not Guy Sebastian. Not Guy <laughs> Yeah, those interesting meets that yeah made me go for it. I just wanted to quote the wait. Is it a TikTok? I think it's a TikTok. So I was like, well, if it isn't the consequences, yeah. I just changed what I had to say it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for. <laughs> anyway, you heard it here first. Yeah, I hope we don't get any defamation lawsuits. Don't don't hurt us, Clive. We, I'll, I'll vote for you. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> I guess we on should. His toes. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, keeping him keeping a bit of suspense. He, you know, he loves it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that was us. On Represent this week with Bridie, Mimi, and George. You can catch us on Omni or any of your podcast platforms. You are listening to Sin Represent. And as always, as every week, remember to... Political. We really need to work on that. <laughs>